Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Randy Couture. If you're out there looking for a great sports podcast, go check out Big Mouth Small Words. What up, guys? It's Josh Rousey, and I just want to give a shout-out to the Big Mouth Small Words podcast in Boston. Thank you guys for your dedication and support. Go Pets. Hey, it's Big Jim from 98.5 The Sports Hub, and I love listening to Big Mouth Small Words. Check them out at Big Mouth Small Words Podcast. Big Mouth Small Words Sports Talk. We back, baby. Another episode. Let's go. Oh, my. Let us go. Welcome, everybody, once again to Big Mouth Small Words. And we're going to talk some sports here. I know that I laid it down pretty heavy in the last podcast, but um, we're back, and let's talk some sports. So... Got to go over the UFC card really quickly. It was UFC 250. Another phenomenal card. I just thought, once again, the UFC has done a fantastic job at showing this product. I loved everything about it. I loved the venue. I thought it suited them. It was a little wrestling-esque, but I kind of liked that. I liked the entrances It just wasn't too much. It was just enough. I love the fact that you can hear the fighters really beat the crap out of each other. I like that you can hear the corner, and I love, I know a lot of people hate it, but I love Joe Rogan, and I love DC. I love them together. I almost want to say that they might have been puffing a little bit of smoke. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say, because DC half the time was absolutely giggling to himself and just asking Rogan what the hell is going on. It was really funny to watch. Um, but a couple of takeaways I had from this event, and I'm actually going to start at the top rather than the bottom here. Amanda Nunez. I might have overlooked her a little bit. Uh, my friend batch had me look into this because I did my top five MMA goats of all time. And no doubt I had some killers on there. You know, Anderson Silva, I had John Jones, I had uh, Conor McGregor, I had I had a bunch of good people on there, DC. But I didn't have Amanda Nunez, and I was looking at the level of competition before, which is why I didn't give it to her. But then, I, you know, she scrapped up Misha Tate twice, and Rousey's rough because she was ahead of her time, and she wasn't great, but... She did knock out Cyborg, and when I watched her in her last fight, this is the best contender to get to her level, and it looked like a joke. Amanda Nunez didn't break a sweat. She beat her in every phase. I mean, it's, it's really crazy the way she did it. Felicia Spencer is tough as nails, And we knew that going in. She's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. And you're thinking, if she can get it to the ground, maybe we can see what she does. I mean, she was 8-1 and going into this. The only loss she had was to Cyborg. And that was by decision. So she lasted a good amount of time, 15 minutes, with Cyborg, who is one of the best to ever do it. So I had high hopes from her. Listen, with it going five rounds... I actually had Spencer with the advantage. I thought that she could weather Amanda Nunez's storm, but the storm never let up. It was really, honestly, unbelievable to watch. 
So she goes in there and she just beats her on the feet, takes her down whenever she wants to. And when she was down with her, Spencer never had a chance at getting anything. And it really blew my mind. So congratulations to Amanda Nunez. She, man, she cleaned out two entire divisions, like two entire weight divisions. And, oh, my God, I just don't know what, what's next for her because you can't put Shevchenko against her again because she's already beaten her twice. And I don't think it makes sense for that fight to happen right now. So I don't know what's going to happen. I will say this. I've watched fighting long enough to know Anderson Silva was unbeatable. Like Liddell was unbeatable. You know, Matt Hughes was unbeatable. Fedor was unbeatable. All these, you can go down the line. There's a million guys. And uh, Rousey was unbeatable for a minute. So there is someone, the day will come, but that day ain't today. And it certainly wasn't Saturday. She kicked ass. So good for her. Only fighter in the history of the UFC to defend both titles. Very impressive. Another person that I really liked and I really wanted to see go was Cody Garbrandt. Everybody loved this guy. <laughs> like, well, let me start off by saying he started his career in the UFC. He was very young. He shot his way to the top. He was 25 years old. He beat all kinds of guys. Most notably was Dominique Cruz. Everybody knows he's an all-time bantamweight legend. But then he gets all this publicity. The way he beat Cruz was just so impressive. He, he pieced him up on the feet and he hit him and his, he knocked him down. He pointed at him like, hey, dude, I got you. Like he just, everything about him was exciting. He was McGregor-esque. You liked his style. And then he fights TJ Dillashaw. And I'm not going to get into that whole thing, but you know, Dillashaw was, was with Team Faber, which Cody Garbrandt was on, and they all, like, that that Ultimate Fighter series? Oh, man. I don't know if people remember how crazy this was, but this goes all the way back to the Ultimate Fighter, and I'm not going to bore you forever with this, but TJ Dillashaw came up. He was Uriah Faber's guy. Cody Garbrandt was the guy that he was grooming. Like, he was going to be the next big thing for Faber. And Conor McGregor, who was the opposing coach, brought up, hey, TJ Dillashaw is a snake in the grass. He's going to go train with Dwayne. He doesn't care about you guys anymore. He's only coming on to the show because he wants to pick a fight with me. And boy, McGregor couldn't have been any more right. <laughs> he could not have been any more right about this. Um, that's exactly what he was doing. He was double dipping. He was acting like he was team favor, but he wasn't. He totally went away from him. And McGregor, for the first time in his life, was 100% right about all that. Uh, but Cody Garbrandt got mad enough that he was try he tried to fight Connor on the set of The Ultimate Fighter to defend TJ Dillashaw. Now, you fast forward. Sorry, that's, there's the backstory. But then it ended up being that, you know, TJ and Cody Garbrandt were going to fight each other. And... Cody was the champ, and he really, this was a heated, big-time grudge match. Like, Cody friggin' hated TJ. He wanted to embarrass him. He wanted to destroy him. And when they fought, unfortunately, TJ Dillashaw clipped him, and he beat him. And that KO loss just spiraled Cody Garbrandt's career. He went on a three-fight losing streak. He lost to TJ again. 
and he seemed to be checked out by the end of his career. It just looked like he was done, which was such a shame because the dude was going undefeated. Like he was somebody and he had such potential. He just, he's one of those guys with too much emotion. He fights with emotion. He needs to just pull it back a little bit, be a little more technical and it would help him so much. Now then news comes out that TJ Dillashaw fails some drug tests. And I think that clicked something. It switched something in Cody's head where he was like, you know what? He didn't really beat me. This dude didn't really beat me. And sometimes belief is all you need as a person. And Cody took 15 months off. He took a layoff, which is fine. He switched training camps. And I was hoping so bad to see the Cody Garbrandt of old in this fight. He comes out. And from the start, don't get me wrong, I was, I was scared. But from the start, I saw the best, the fastest, the most technical version of Cody Garbrandt that I've ever seen. He was so, I can't explain to you how fast this dude was. He was moving like lightning, dude. And at the end of the round, he fakes, he goes down. And then the dude comes up with a punch and he clips him into an oblivion. It was amazing. Do you want to hear what it sounded like? This is what it sounded like. Look how Joe, he did that. Joe. Oh, my goodness. Oh. I, I don't think there's a man faster. Joe. I don't Joe. think there's a man faster in the sport. <laughs> Does anybody oh, hear Daniel Cormier just giggling like he's, he's just like, Joe, hey, Joe, 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 did you see that? Yeah, he freaking saw it, DC. Oh, I loved it. It was so good. But he, uh, wow, it was, it was vintage, Cody. I mean, he had knocked him down. Um, or he at least stunned him in the middle of the first round, and he pointed at him, and I went, okay, there's that cockiness, but take it easy, man. I don't want you to get caught. It would be the worst. Man, he looked good, and he was ranked as the ninth contender. He's definitely top five now, and now you kind of got to look at him like he deserves a shot. If not, he said he wanted TJ again, and you know what? I would watch the crap out of it. <laughs> Do I love it for him? No, but I will be rooting for him, and I hate TJ Dillashaw, so I would check it out. So we'll see what happens with Cody Garbrandt. At least he won. At least he did it in spectacular fashion. But as I said, I'm moving down this card from the top to the bottom, and I'm not going over everything, but so, so deal. But another dude that I was super, super excited to watch was was the sugar show, you know? Sean O'Malley. If you don't know about Sean O'Malley, you do now. Because when you're getting uh, posted on Barstool Sports and you're getting posted on MMA Junkie and all these other sites, it lets you know that you're starting to arrive. I'll tell you that right now. This guy was 11-0 before the fight, and every fight that I'd seen from him, man, he's just fun to watch, and he has this... Like before he had this fro and it's all colorful. It's got the rainbow in his hair. And he just like you look at him and he has an it factor that you can't really explain, but you just know it when you see it. And when you do see it, you want more. Everything this dude does, like there was one fight that he had where he threw a leg kick and he didn't break his foot, but he destroyed his leg. And he found a way to win that fight just by being on his back and throwing off his back. He's just an exciting fighter. So... 
he goes into this, and the thing is, I've been looking at him and saying he's fantastic, but he hasn't fought anyone legit yet. Eddie Wineland is a super tough dude. He has an epic mustache. For those of you that don't know what his mustache looks like, if you go to bigmouthsmallwords.com, it's on the blog. You can check it out. He's curling that thing in a gif. He's got a great mustache. But he was the first bantamweight champion ever, and he's been doing it for a long time. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I know that Wineland is, he's good on the feet. He's more of just a boxer, though. He's kind of pretty, it's not very, very technical with him. He's more of a brawler. But Sean O'Malley walked right through him. I mean, you can't help but be impressed at the way that he did it. He just walks him down, and he just throws a crazy right hand. It wasn't even a crazy right hand. It was just a right hand. But he just walked right into him and threw a punch, and when when he hit him, he didn't even bother to try to hit him again because he knew he was toasted. And it sounded exactly like this, and it was amazing. Now he does a fan. Oh! 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 oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! He slept in bed out of nowhere and didn't even bother DC. Now he does. DC says, "Oh my God, he slept in bed." I love DC. I don't care what anyone says. He's hilarious. Um, he did sleep in bed though. Oh my goodness! He was out for a while. It was an impressive KO, and now he's twelve and zero. And unfortunately, and I understand why he's doing it. He wants to renegotiate his contract. Everybody in the world wants to renegotiate their contract with Dana White right now. Um, and it's rough because I'm telling you right now, Sean O'Malley is going to be something. He's a rising star. He could be a main event guy. So don't blow that, Dana. Give him some money. Figure it out. So then Conor McGregor tweets after the event, and he's like, hey, guys, I've decided to retire from fighting. Thank you for all the amazing memories. What a ride it's been. Here's a picture of myself and my mother in Las Vegas posting one of my world title wins. Like, he, you know. So he posts that, and uh, I don't know, man. You do it all the time. I can't say that you're for sure going to retire or that you're not. He doubled down on it the next day. He posted again, and it was a cake that said happy retirement. But, um, man, with Conor McGregor, you don't know. See, less than a month ago, he was the one that tweeted, and he had his list of top five MMA goats, and he posted on his own tweet, I am number two, but I'm going to be number one because I'm still active, and I have a lot more to accomplish. Apparently, in less than a month, that changed. And he's all set. If it's the end for him, then thank you. Because you definitely grew the sport. And you left your mystic mark on everybody who loves MMA. So that's great. But then I see a tweet by Mayweather. And I'm saying to myself, here we go. This is boxing crap. And uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. If it does, I don't even know if I would want to watch this time. So I hope that he keeps fighting in the UFC. If not, he stays retired because I don't even care about the boxing match. But then, if I'm going to keep going, McGregor's not the only one that was like, I'm done with everything. John Jones, he tweeted a million things, but 
he, you know, he said, quote, at no point did I ever demand anything from you, Dana. I simply asked for a super fight and asked to be compensated for it. You are the one who started talking negotiations publicly and showing the world how much you've been withholding from your athletes the whole time. Now, I'm not going to talk on all the numbers and all the business because I don't know. I'm not freaking Dana White. And I'm not John Jones. But I'll say one thing. I know that Dana and him have been going at it. John Jones, why are you arguing about anything? Why do you deserve all this compensation that you think you really? Now, are you one of the best MMA fighters of all time? Yes. But if you think your reputation didn't take a hit when you're hitting pregnant ladies with a car and fleeing the scene, or you've got a pound of coke up your nose, or you're smoking crack, or you're doing any of that stupid shit that you always do, your, your reputation took a hit and your pay-per-view buys, you can look them up yourself, buddy. They've gone down. You're not the draw that you once were. So you need to shut your mouth and accept that. And you know what else you need to do? You need to look at Dana White and you need to say, thank you. There's not a lot of people that need to do that, but you are one of those people that do because they could have left you hanging, man. They could have left you and you would have been nothing. The UFC took multiple chances on you, multiple chances on you, and you failed the people, you failed your boss, and you failed yourself so many freaking times. So shut your mouth and be grateful. You don't deserve $30 million a fight, dude, and you're not going to get it. And by the way, keep running from Nganu, buddy. Keep running from Nganu because at the end of the day, that's what this is about, Jones. Oh, keep, I was asking for a super fight. Shut your mouth. You want to get compensated because you know you're writing a check your ass can't cash. That's what it is. You know Ngannou's going to hit you in the next year, and you don't want to deal with it. So call freaking spade a spade, Jones, and shut your mouth, sit down, and be grateful. That's my Jones rant. <laughs> so then, now listen. There's another part of this, okay? Um, and I'll say quickly here. Henry Cejudo also retired, but now he's saying he might come back because he wants to fight for another title. Who knows if that happens? I kind of hope it does because I actually like Henry Cejudo. I know a lot of people hate on him, but I think he's pretty good. I'm going to go on to Jorge Masvidal because I have a lot more to say about this. He has been talking a lot to ESPN to a bunch of people about his contract and his situation. He, I'm just going to read you one tweet. He said, I am in a contract that I had to take to get paid. Same way I got a new contract to fight Till, then a new contract to fight Nate. They keep extending the amounts of fights on my contract to keep me locked up, and when I say I only want a four-fight contract, it's like take it or leave it. I understand what he's saying because let me let me just paint this picture because everybody looks at Jorge Masvidal and they're like, what a badass. This dude's like the, like the BMF. He's the man. Masvidal was so close to not being in the UFC. I feel like people totally forget. So screw John Jones. But Masvidal might deserve this, man. He has been fighting forever. This is his moment, and I think he knows that, and I think he doesn't want to throw it away. He was coming off of two decision losses. He loses to Damian Maya, and then he loses to Steven Wonderboy Thompson. Both top guys, but... You go on a two-fight skid, you know what's about to come. He then was put in a fight with Darren Till, 
in his hometown. He was put in that. Let's just call it like it is. He was put in that to get smashed. And after he got smashed by Till, he most likely would have been cut because he wasn't a huge draw at that time. But what does he do? He goes out there and he absolutely KOs Darren Till, leaving the entire arena stunned and leaving Dana White with his mouth on the floor. Okay? After that fight, so he wins one. He then is matched up against undefeated fighter Ben Askren. He posterized him with one of the most legendary high-knee friggin' <laughs> knockouts in the history of the UFC, which was absolutely amazing. And it was, I just, I'm just going to play the sound because it was just absolutely amazing. Guys just flapping gums at each other. Any chance they get. The fight clock is brought to you by Modelo. That was one of the greatest knockouts you'll ever see. So, like I said, he follows up the Darren Till knockout with one of the greatest knockouts that you've ever seen. So, Masvidal goes from being a guy that might get cut to being a guy that might be the next big thing, which is insane because he'd been fighting for so long. Now, his stock was at an all-time high. We all know, as I just said. Nate Diaz wins his fight after a huge layoff, and then he calls him out. And then they actually made a title called the bad motherfucker title. <laughs> That's not even a joke. That's real. That actually happened. And Masvidal destroyed him. Honestly, it was, um, I think it ended in three rounds. I think it ended because of one of Nate Diaz's cuts, but Diaz was losing the entire fight and Masvidal's on a three fight winning streak. And he beats Darren Till. He beats undefeated Ben Askren and he beats Nate Diaz. All these are huge, monumental, massive wins. The next step needed to be a title shot or a big, big, big money fight. Like you give him a Connor or you give him a title. You give him something because after all this, how are you going to blame a guy for wanting to get his? He has seen so many other undeserving guys get their shot multiple times. So why, why wouldn't he fight for himself here? Dana needs to do something with him. He can't get cut. He can't go to another organization. This is, it would be bad business. This dude will give you pay-per-view buys no matter what. People want to see him. He's legit. I think he's going to get his. There's so many, there's just so many matchups you can make with him that would be exciting. So, I don't give a crap if Jones never comes back. I do want Masvidal back. I wouldn't mind seeing Cejudo. And McGregor, I mean, he does it every time. So I feel like he will probably show up again. So that's the UFC thoughts. I will say very quickly, because um, we're coming to the end of this show, but the NBA looks like they're figuring out that they're going to be... I think there's some tentative stuff out there. I'm pretty sure that they've reported that August 16th to 17th, there's going to be a play-in tournament. And August 18th is going to be the first round, September 1st, second round, September 15th, conference finals, and finals game one will be September 30th. That would be awesome. I would love to see basketball come back. I'd love to see the Celtics get it going. Um, obviously, the Bruins. Obviously, hockey is potentially going to be back in July, which would be absolutely fantastic. And to update what I had talked about before, 
it does seem as if the Bruins or any of the top four seeds are going to have to play a round-robin tournament for the seeding of the one through four seeding. Which, but but just because I know it's mostly Bruins fans, so I'm not going to explain it for everybody. If you want me to explain it for your team, if you have a specific team, you can just hit me up, DM me on Instagram at Big Mouth Small Words Podcast, and I'll explain it to you where your team's going to be. But for the Bruins, which most of you, that's what you care about, they go two and one, they're going to be the number one seed. So in a way, I like what happened with the Bruins. I don't think, it, listen, Nothing that was going to come out of this was going to be completely fair to everybody. But if you're a Bruins fan and you look at this, I look at my team and I'm confident in them. You give them three weeks to prepare and they go into these games and all they got to do is win, win a couple games. They've already got the percentage points. They're in first by a lot. So all they got to do is win a couple of those games, stay as the first. Even if you don't stay as the first, you should. Stay. Even if you lose a few, you're going to be second. So... You're going to get a buy no matter what. And if you stay as that number one seed, the brackets change every round. So if Montreal wins against Pittsburgh, the Bruins are the number one seed. They play Montreal now. That changed. That was It was going to be different with the divisions. They threw it all out. And they're going to go just by the bracket and just by whoever the highest seed to the lowest seed. They're going to do it like that. And I like it better that way. So, yeah. So that's that. Um. If you haven't already, do me a favor. Go to BigMouthSmallWords.com. We got the blog. It has the link to everything. YouTube, Instagram. Check it out. I hope you guys are staying safe. Things are reopening. Things are better. I love you guys. Stay safe and thanks for listening.